think there's something, though, that's very, very, very important when we talk about faith in our lives, okay? And what's important about that is this word right here, okay? Th this is a big one. It, I don't know if we can really dig down and plumb the depths of faith without having real honest conversations about doubt, okay? Like, really. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of times we can have very much kind of a caveman view of faith and doubt, right? It's just kind of a caveman view of doubt bad, faith good. <laughs> and don't talk about it because, boy, if you have a doubt, I'm really scared about you. Right? I mean, don't let that in the church. Right? And, and you know what's happened over hundreds and hundreds of years? Is that we all come in fake. Going, I'm not going to talk about that. Man, if, what would people say? I'm hired by the church to be a minister and an evangelist. What if I had a doubt? Oh, my goodness. I better never have any doubts. Really? Have you read this Bible? Seriously. Like, you, fine. If you don't, I'm going to bet that there's, you haven't read. <laughs> okay? But there's, we're going to talk about the dangers of doubt as well, okay? It isn't, here's what isn't doing. We're not open to the floodgates to go, oh, no, if you're doubting, that's okay. Stay right there. Doubt has a very integral part in our, in our um, here's what doubt, this is what doubt should do, okay? This is what I'm going to show you right here. Boom. That's, uh, that's Caitlin at her last gymnastics meet right there. <laughs> Nailed that thing. Look at that. Perfect form. Boom. There's Brent in the background taking a picture. Nailed it, okay? That, here's what doubt should do. Should springboard us into answers, okay? Doubt should be like, okay, yeah, you want to know what? I may have some, a hard time with this, but man, I'm not going to let it. Here's what it does, though, right, oftentimes. This is, this is what doubt often does to most of us right here. This is actually Brent doing this, okay? <laughs> right, 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 that hurt. <laughs> That's just my commentary on it. Okay, that hurt, and he's embarrassed, <laughs> all right? But, but here's the truth of the matter is, is, is that's often what we do is, is we go, okay, well, I'm not around people where I'm going to express doubt, um, but then when I do, I just want people to accept my doubt, right? I, I just want, no, I doubt in this, so don't, I don't want any, no, 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 it should springboard us into faith, all right? Jesus interacted with folks that doubted. He did all the time. You know what doubt and faith isn't? Sometimes we think it's this, it, it, it's a razor's edge, really, right, in life. Um, there may be some things in your life that you have no doubt. And as you've gotten older, you've matured in that. Your convictions have rose, okay? And there's probably other things that can happen, and it's like, oh, God, I'm doubting the goodness of God, the promises of God. I'm it's, it really is a razor's edge here, okay? It's like we, we might be good in some areas, but not in others. What's the call? It's we, wherever we are, we mature. We don't stay the same, okay? So that's the important part of locking in when we study the Bible because it's the idea of, man, okay, I'm just listening or I'm just studying my Bible. No, no, no. This is about let's mature, right? Let's grow from where we are, okay, without like whining and complaining and all that kind of stuff. Not that anybody would do that, all right? Um, but when we look at that word right here, we're going to look at some passages Jesus you know, had him, uh, you know, a bunch of people around him that they just weren't certain. And I think we could understand that back then, all right? It's 
here's Jesus, and he's coming in, and he's changing some things around, and things look a little bit different in the religious world, right? Let's look at a couple passages, though, here, okay? Let's look over at Matthew chapter 28, okay? You can, you can turn along, even though it's up there. You can still look at it on your paper, okay? It's, it's, it's good at whether you have the actual paper Bible, which Jesus wants us to have, or if you have an electronic version, okay? That's okay, too. Um, Eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus directed them. Okay, here, listen, man. This is the beauty of, you got to slow down sometimes when you read the Bible. Um, When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Okay, that first part's pretty important. Eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus directed him. There was obedience and doubt at the same time. It was like, he told me to go there. And some of them are, are worshiping him, okay? Now, it probably wasn't like a contemporary Christian concert going on there, okay? But, but it was this idea of, of worship is bowing down, okay? Um, worship is a very, um, you know, we go back and forth extreme-wise. Like, no, no, no. Worship isn't Sunday morning. Worship is my life. And worship, you want to know it's both. <laughs> Use the word in the Bible, both, okay? You can't go, no, I worship on Sunday morning. Well, hopefully you worship 24-7. Okay, but then there's the worship of praise and coming together as well. Okay, so it's not either or, but they came to they they came down and they said we bow down to this man. Some of them were doing that. I bet you there were some. They were like, oh, we better <laughs> like join in. You, you ever done that before? It's even like in sing. Well, I'll join in, but I don't really believe all this stuff. I'm not sure. I'm uncertain. Okay. Um, when, when we leave here, I really want to encourage you in your small groups in your family groups. Um, this has to be a conversation we're having of uncertainty at times, all right? And we've got to fan into flame, like the, the faith, right? <coughs> Spur one another on to faith and good deeds, all right? That, that's so valuable because here's the thing. This could be the worst thing we ever introduce to a group of people because if we don't agree, we're going to spur one another on to faith and good deeds. Then you just become a bunch of doubtless cowards, just we feel great about airing our doubts, right? And following Jesus, he's like, no, actually, but it can springboard you into greater faith. It can springboard you. So Jesus is around that, but isn't that interesting? I want you to think about, just kind of paint the picture in your mind, like uncertainties in your own life. How do I know what they are? Um, think of decisions you make. <coughs> Interactions you have with people, relationships you have. All right? Um, think of your attitude. Um, think of deep convictions. Um, chances are those are all things that are going to reveal our maturity level when it comes to certainty or faith and uncertainty. All right? Um, and, and so it's this idea, just kind of get there. And I think this interesting that obedience still took place even with that. It's pretty fascinating. Let's look at another, John 20. <clears throat> but one of the 12, poor guy, this, Thomas breaks my heart, man, because I bet you Thomas was awesome. What do you know Thomas by? <laughs> they gave him a nickname. <laughs> Doubting Thomas. I'm like, golly, that's the worst for the rest of eternity. Can you imagine in heaven one day you go up there and there's Thomas. Oh, Doubting Thomas. I bet you he kicks you in the teeth. Okay. God will allow violence from Thomas because he's like, no, I'm sick and tired of that. Okay. Stop calling me that. <laughs> Okay, one of the 12 Thomas was, wasn't with them when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples kept telling him, right? Isn't that interesting, right? Yeah, right, brother and sister, I hope you do. Brother and sisters around you, and they're trying to like spur on your faith, and you know, you, I, you're not listening. They kept telling him, no, we've seen him. No, for real, Thomas, believe us, okay? Uh, and, and you may fall on one side of the spectrum or the other, you know? Uh, some of y'all sitting in here, it's like if you hear it from a person, you totally neglect, it totally doesn't mean anything, right? Uh, uh, a man said that. I'll believe it when Jesus says it, right? And, and you just totally discount it that the Holy Spirit could ever work through somebody, all right? Thomas was one of those guys. He's just like, nah, I'm not about men, <laughs> okay? I'm about Jesus here. And he said, if I don't see him, if I don't put my hands in the finger in the nail holes, I'm not believing this stuff. How convincible are you of this? Because here's the deal is if you want to talk about it, we could sit here and feel like really great about our faith because we're in church on Sunday morning. We could really pat each other on the back. Man, look at how much faith we have. And there are people sleeping in right now. Man, we're better than them, right? Look at how much greater our faith is, okay? Except here's the deal is a, 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 a God... Who, who came down and died and went on a cross and rose again and washes of our sins. You want to know what? Truthfully speaking is we have so far to go to be even minutely close to honoring him with our lives. Okay. So if we're patting ourselves on the back about how great we are, ah, no, no, I've kind of reached it, man. I'm telling you, we should be bursting at the seams with energy and vitality and life when it comes to talking about Jesus, right? It shouldn't be just like something that people think we're bored about, okay? And I'm not saying, hey, manufacture something, but I'm just saying, you want to know what? When, when it isn't like that, it's because our certainty of Jesus is very low, okay? And so we call him Doubting Thomas. We probably, he, he's probably still more faithful than us at this time right here, okay? And he says, no, 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 but I got to put my finger, I'm not super convincible here, Okay? And, uh, and it's interesting. What was Thomas's week like, you think? Hanging out with his boys. They've been telling him. I mean, you know, you ever have somebody in your group? What would you think, man, in your small group? Say, I'm not going to believe this Jesus unless I put my... You know, we would leave and go, man, I'm really worried about that person, man. They're struggling. I don't know if he's going to make it, uh, you know, and start treating them weird and all that kind of stuff. And, and Jesus didn't even, like, just come right away. He let him have a week. You ever had that happen, like you just kind of marinate on things for about a week, about what you said and what you did? Isn't that great, though? Like, sometimes we need to boil in our own kind of, like, uh, doubt sometimes and just let it go there. Because what's really cool about the Holy Spirit, right, is there is a conviction that happens in sin, righteousness, and judgment that's happening right inside of us, all right? And so sometimes it's good to have some time. The answer doesn't have to be given immediately, Okay, and Thomas is just kind of, all, all the other guys are probably pretty psyched that they got to see Jesus, and Thomas going, just se- seven days boiling in his own unfaithfulness, right? And <coughs> Though the doors were locked, it says that Jesus came and stood among them. All right? And he said, peace be with you. I love that. I'm not going to get into all that. You know, my, my, that's my word for the year is peace. Because I think it's so misunderstood. Like, we don't know what that means, but you're thinking, Jesus, you had the first thing to say, and that's what you said? Peace be with you. What? Then he said, Tom, Tom, come here. Come here, bro. Um, Put your finger right here. All right. Could you imagine what that must have been like? 
Could you imagine? Now, now let me put it this way. Is, is, um, tell me what Thomas is maybe feeling. What would you feel in that situation, okay? A week before, you kind of popped off. <coughs> you popped off in your small group. You popped off to some brothers and sisters. Man, you were, I ain't going to believe that. No, 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 you know. And then now you're locked in a room. Right, there's no leaving. You ain't going to the bathroom. You ain't going, to, you will sit right here. And Jesus is going, come here. Come on up. Tell me what you would feel like in front of all your buddies that you popped off to a week before. What are you feeling like? Wouldn't it be? Have you ever been embarrassed in front of people? What does embarrassment do? What does embarrassment do when you're called out right there in front of everybody? Tell me what it does on the inside. It's humiliating. All right. Um, depending on how stubborn you are, you may or may not move quickly or not. Like, mm-mm, I ain't going. Come here. <laughs> Jesus like, you like, I can see you. <laughs> Come here. Come here. And he's sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. Okay. And then he's like, oh, I got to walk up in front of everybody. And you know what? That whole process, and I think that happens to us because here's the thing is I find my own pride, my own arrogance, my own faithlessness puts me in positions to be embarrassed sometimes. And you know one of the best ways that learning experiences that I've had is when you walk through embarrassment. You walk through it and you're like, okay, yeah, everybody knows I was wrong. I popped off when I shouldn't have. I said something I shouldn't have. Boy, let me, gosh, I'm doing, this is so shameful. You know, Jesus is like, come up here. And you know what's funny is he says, do this. And, and Jesus said, man, stop doubting and believe. That's a great, if you want to have just like a, 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 a thought that just gets planted in your head is Jesus going, hey, stop doubting and believe. Okay, stop doubting and believe. Okay, but let's not read something into this. I, this is, we probably do this more often than we feel comfortable or, or even realize. We read into things that Jesus is angry. We read into things that Jesus is sick and tired of us, right, frustrated, okay? That's human beings, okay? I want you to think about it, you guys who are parents. What if your interactions with your kids always involved letting them know how frustrated and upset you are at them? Some of you may have grown up in that, in that scenario where all it was was could never please dad, could never please mom. They were always frustrated. They were always, is that consistent with the character of Jesus? That's no way inconsistent with the character of Jesus. And how do you know that? How, how do you know that? How are you convinced of it? Because you might not be. You, you might go, no, no, no. I always picture Jesus is, he's like tired of me. He's frustrated with me. I'm not doing enough, right? How do you convince yourself? Like, like really, tell me, like, what do you do? Because I think that's, this is such a vital part of jumping from doubt in areas to faith. Like that idea of, okay, well, how am, am I deeply convinced? What do you do? Do you have a section of scripture that you go to or that you're reminded of to know that, no, no, he's not like this? Okay, do you have that? I mean, I either think of like the prodigal son or like um, Jesus telling us to like forgive our brothers 70 times, seven times, and if like God would command us that surely we'd be forgiving Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and so we just have to be careful that we're not reading something into Jesus' character, okay, or 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 putting something on him that gives us kind of a way out. Go, oh no, I never pictured that he would want me around, so it kind of I'm not getting up to do this. All right, he says, stop doubting. Okay, I want you to hear those words. I really do. I want you to hear him. If Jesus, listen, it's 
If he were to sit next to you and put his hand on your shoulder, listen, stop doubting. Stop doubting. I'm here. That's really happened. Like my goal isn't to shun you or to embarrass you or humiliate you. And you know, sometimes we, in our pride, like, you know, you get kind of called out because you popped off. And it's like, you know what? So much of learning about situations is going through that. And then you realize Jesus is going, dude, I'm with you, man. Don't be embarrassed. All right. It's, there's a step of courage to go, you know what? I messed up. Man, I doubted you. I, and there's no, there wasn't any reason, but now, gosh, man, you know, and it just kind of your humility level comes up, which is a really great thing, right? I'm telling you, when humility comes up, the weight comes off, man. I'm t- it just is. It's so weird, but pride makes us heavy, all right? Humility is like, whew, wow, thank God you're Jesus. I hope you feel that way about Jesus, okay? Especially when we talk about this right here, all right? Um, and there's another aspect of doubt. Okay, so you have this uncertainty. It's really fascinating. In the New Testament, the word that's used for doubt is different all over the place. It's not just like a Greek word. It's like this one Greek word. You go, see, that Greek word means it. No, no, actually, there's a whole lot of different words to describe this characteristic of doubt. Which, which leads us to believe this idea of doubt is not so simple as just, just this one black and white understood thing, right? There's a lot of facets to this, and one of the things is uncertainty. Another word that's used denotes disloyalty, like doubt equals disloyalty, okay? But this one, we're going to look at a passage, um, talks about indecision, okay? And it's in James, I want you to look at this right here in James 1. Um, We've read this before. Um, Read this to yourself right now, just in front of you or up here. Just I want you to read it and take it in right now, okay? You don't read it out loud, just read it to yourself. So James writes this um, thought, uh, initial feeling when you read it. What's the thing that kind of percolated up inside of you? Just one word. Don't don't even try to articulate a sentence. Just one word that pops in your head right now that you were just scared to say. Okay, yikes, thank you. Okay, (laughs) woo, (laughs) this is, uh, what else? Anybody else have anything different than yikes, okay? That was made famous in many cartoons in the 80s, right? Yikes. What else? You got another word? Huh? Words had to pop up in your head somehow. You had to think something. I said called out. Huh? I said me. That's me, right? So often it's like, no, man, oh, my goodness. Me, and then there's usually a story that comes after that, right? It was a really great story, though, I'm sure, right? It's like, me, man, I'm awesome. Jesus knows I'm (laughs) awesome, right? What's the story that, what's the next line? Yeah. Yeah. And so here's the thing is, is it's the Bible does a really amazing job of like carving us and 
cutting us in places that is intentionally meant to not feel good, okay? I mean, there's a sinful nature that there is something that's supposed to go, oh, that didn't feel good because I'm so much like that, okay? But here's where Jesus is different than the world, okay? Is what Satan wants me and you to believe is to go, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be embarrassed about that. I can't, you call yourself a Christian? Okay, that's what Satan wants us to hear. All right. Understand. Here's the thing is, is it, such an amazing analogy. OK, a lot of times we view um, I, I was listening. I don't know if any of you have listened to this before. Um, exploring my strange Bible. OK, you I know you listen to this. It's a podcast. It's awesome. It's so good. OK. And I was listening to one of the lessons. And he says, you know, it was so real. He said, we oftentimes picture Jesus like a politician. Or like somebody that's got an office, that's run for office. That's, he's authoritative, and we give him the authority, but we see him as somebody that's like, oh, he, really his goal is to make me happy and to make my life great and all that kind of stuff, because that's what a politician does, right? And, and he said, what if Jesus was more like a Sherpa? You know what a Sherpa is? Like, you want to climb some huge mountain. Super dangerous. What, what, what are some names? I don't even know. Like K2 and uh, whatever. They, they, got na- they don't even name the big mountains. They just give them like numbers and stuff, okay? But to get to the top, if you don't have a guide, you're going to die, okay? He says, but what if he was more like a Sherpa? What if it was like every step you took depended on him guiding you? Now, all of a sudden, his words sound different. He's, I mean, could you imagine you're, you're climbing up on a mountain and the Sherpa the whole time is going, you're going to die. Gosh, you can't do this. I can't believe you're trying to. You stink. You know, you know, just berating you the whole way up. At some point, you just fall off. You know, but it's the idea of, come on, I've been here before. I've made this mountain. <laughs> okay. I'm the guy you can trust. You're on the mountain and I'm going to show you. All right. I, listen, when I told you not to step there, d- listen, don't be embarrassed. Be alive. <laughs> Okay, is, is don't get all humiliated and embarrassed. No, 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 no. Listen, move to this side of the path. <laughs> all right. Go around the rock this way. All right. But stop trying to climb the rock that way. But this is the way I want to do it. Don't judge me. I'm like, well, I'm the Sherpa. I've seen men die on that cliff. Right. And it's just this view that kind of takes away the humiliation. It's like, no, you know what? know what? We all have a Sherpa going up this mountain because none of us know how to get up on our own. Right? And that's such an important part of, of faith and doubt and pride and, 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 and just arrogance and humility, right? It's going, we all need help getting up this mountain because no one makes it alone. Yeah. All right? And, and most people, you don't get up to the top of the mountain and crown yourself Sherpa. <laughs> that don't make you a Sherpa. That means that Sherpa that got you up there is awesome. Okay? And so it's that idea. He's going, hey, man, whatever it was, you thought, yikes. Oh, that's me. I'm so horrible. Listen, the mountain guide is going, no, no, listen, (laughs) let me adjust this over here, okay? You're being indecisive right now. And see, on a mountain, when you're climbing a mountain, indecision will kill you. But it means more than that. It's not just indecision, okay? It's actually, we have a saying for it in the United States, having your cake and eating it too. You know what that means? Have you heard that? Do people even say that anymore? I don't know. You know, I mean, but here people say, oh, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. I don't really even know what that means. All I know is it kind of denotes like 
you want things one way and you want the, you want both sides, right? Am I right on that? Yeah, I yeah. think so, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is the one, the, the part of like um, faith and doubt we don't spend as much time on. Is, is the Bible, we'll even use this word to talk about double-mindedness, is the idea of I want to go to heaven, but the way Jesus says for me to go about it, mm-mm. That, that impinges on the life I want to live. So I'm going to live a really good life, but then I'm going to do a little bit of Christianity as well, right? I bet all of us have done that before. I bet all of us have done that before, okay? Some of us are doing it now, right, where you're like, I want both, okay? I want to go to heaven, and I want to be exactly everything I want to be in this world, okay? That's what it says right here. He's saying, you know, it's, it's, we, we read it kind of like, and you won't get anything, by golly. Jody, you're not going to get anything. All those things you want, you're not going to get them because you're so indecisive. He's just saying this is just a fact, a truth, a spiritual truth. It's impossible to straddle the fence and follow Jesus. It's impossible to have a little bit of Christianity. It's impossible just to have, it's this idea he's going, man, you got to be all in. Okay. And being all in doesn't mean that you are perfectly faithful in every single area. But it means that I am convinced that's who I'm following. This, is, this right here is the code I'm living by. All right? And without being convinced of that, we'll live our lives. And we could live religiously and good people. We all can do that. It doesn't take much. But we're going to go, no, no, no. I want to stay right on the fence. I want all the stuff that the world's going to give me, and I want a little bit of Jesus, and I'm going to go back and forth. And you may even look like an American Christian for a long time. Okay? But he's saying that. That's what he's talking about is this indecisiveness. Your doubt, that word, is saying you won't make a decision. You're at a crossroads, and you won't decide, I'm going that direction fully. Okay? I want you to think about that. What in your life is you going, I won't go down that fully? Right? Is there something about discipleship? You said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Okay? Because our attitudes, decisions, things we say will reveal our maturity. Okay? I mean, here, here's the deal. We call this a lot of times, whether maturity or sin or whatever, is um, our indecisiveness, our doubt, our lack of being all in will show in our attitudes. You know? I'm not going to try anything. I'm not going to reach out to anybody. I'm not going to do, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. It comes out in our dating. It comes, this is a big deal when you're single. It's this idea of, am I, am I really convinced that what Jesus says is the right way? Or do I want to morph it into making it like, oh, but it doesn't, did he really? Okay, isn't it an interesting question that Satan asked Eve in the garden in chapter one? What did he ask her? Did God really say that, okay? Yeah, here's the deal is, when we're, when we're not willing to go all in, that's the question Satan's going to pose to us. Did he really say? Yeah. Did, did God really mean what he meant when he said baptism will wash away your sins? Did, did he really mean that? Now, certainly he couldn't have meant that. Did he really mean, like, absolute purity? Did he really mean no hint of sexual immorality? Did he really mean? Did he really mean? Those are the things that we're going, no, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to have a good attitude. I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm not going to study my Bible. This is what comes out. 
It gives us some thought, I think, because we're going, hold on a minute. Maybe, wow, I have a lot of faith, but there might be some areas of just indecision, some areas that, boy, I've got to hear Jesus' words, stop doubting. <laughs> Let's get all the way over, man. Get all the way over, okay? It's interesting here. I just put this up here in Romans 4. Um, he talks about Abraham's process of faith. Okay. Um, he, he told Abraham, you're going to have enough babies to, man, your whole, you're going to have more than the stars, man. Your family lineage is going to be more than the stars in the sky. Although you're old and so is your wife and she can't have kids anymore. It says there he didn't waver in unbelief because he was fully convinced that God could do that. Right? It's that idea. He didn't waver. Part of our thing with this fast and abstinence from food and getting rid of the things that take away our time is to dig into the word of God and go, hold on a minute, I'm not wavering from this. I'm not wavering from this thing. No matter how much temptation I have in my life, whether it's I have to forgive somebody, whether it has to be some. No, no, no. I'm not wavering that what Jesus said is what, what I need to do. I'm trusting him, right? So let's look as we're getting ready to take our communion here. Um, is the idea of, of, you know, if you want it to springboard, if, if there's doubt. And there may be doubt in just some factual things about Jesus. Was Jesus real? Did he really exist? Did he really die on a cross? Right? Did he really start his church? Did he really, you know, there may be doubt on that, right? It might just be lifestyle things. Is the idea of being diligent and humble. Right? What's that mean? Is I go and I actually look for it. I'm, I'm like that gymnast that springboards. It's like, I am going to dig into this, okay? Because if you get in with your small group or you get together with somebody and say, I'm having some real doubts about this, and a week later you get together, and your brother or sister asks you, hey, man, how's your, how have you been digging into this? Nah, I really hadn't done it that much. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. That's all I have to say. I don't know what to tell you. Your doubt is going to get worse. Your heart is going to get harder. It's just how it's going to be. It's not going to get, these things don't get better on their own. Be diligent and humble. Humble of going, I don't know. I've got to get better at this. I've got to dig into this, right? <coughs> My battery's dying. There we go. And, and, and here's the other thing is, I want you to ask yourself, how are you now in your life cultivating deep biblical conviction? Okay, you know, do you know what I mean by that? Like, a de- like you're fully convinced, like Abraham was. Man, the Bible, I am fully convinced in my life. Buddy, there is no one on this earth that is going to lead me away from these principles right here. Okay. How, how are you doing that? Just, you go write that down. How am I doing that? Because here's the chance. Chances are deep biblical convictions don't just happen when you're sleeping at night. They don't. They don't, get ha- they don't happen because you get older. You know what's interesting about maturity is that you don't naturally mature. Okay? There are some physiological things that do, but here's, you, can, you can get older and not more mature. Okay? You can grow up. You, you can get older and never grow up. Is, is the deal. You can get older and never grow up. It doesn't happen naturally. This is a question I want to put in front of you. I want you to think about it. Because if it's nothing, if it's like, I don't know, here's the chances are your convictions are becoming less as time goes on. You're more okay with things coming into your heart that are worldly. You're more okay 
to argue against God's own teachings as time goes on. You're more okay to be lukewarm. You're more okay to be less zealous. You're more okay to have worldly relationships over time. Okay, so if you're telling me, um, no, you know what, Keith, I can't do that because you know what, I got too much homework. Okay, great, you got homework. A lot of people in here aren't in college. Your life isn't busy, is it? I mean, once you got out of college, you weren't busy, right? Kristen, you were in college, right? You're not busy anymore. You probably sit around eating bonbons and ice cream all day, huh? You're just sitting around. Is that life? You, you, right? It's amazing because oftentimes you go, we use that as an excuse. Oh, man, I got so much work. If I flunk this class, you don't understand. If I, no, no, I do understand. I'm fully convinced that Jesus will not look at your schoolwork grades to let you into heaven. I'm fully convinced of that. You go, but you're such a, you're judging. I'm like, no, no, actually, I'm convinced he said that. Okay? I'm, I'm convinced that grades and schooling won't get us to heaven. I'm convinced of that. You, you know, well, you know, I'll, I'll keep staying on people. About, you don't know what? Above all, when the body meets, you meet. I'll, I'll go to my grave with that one. Because here's what I know. Is that, that God is real. Man, his families don't get close and tight and together by just kind of popping in and out all over the place. I'm convinced of that. All right? And it's that idea of, I wonder, I don't know, what's your convictions? And you may have an unbiblical conviction that needs to get rid of. You need to get rid of that. Okay? But, but that's really the thing is if you're not cultivating a deep biblical conviction and you don't have like every day, you're, you're, you're spurring it on, spurring it on, spurring it on. You're, you don't know what? Your convictions are getting lower. They just are. All right? Let's not let that happen. Like, like let's be diligent about that. All right. In your own life, be diligent about that. Okay, Um, And it's really interesting because I think the more we read it, the more we go, oh, man, Um, you know, I've heard Brent say that before. Now I see where it is in the Bible. Wow, that's that's in there. People just aren't nagging me to be a Christian. That's in the Bible. People are not just nagging me about stuff. That's really in there. Right. Let's turn over to Second Corinthians five. Okay, we're going to take our communion. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. This is like the deepest of all convictions. This is the, this is the deepest of all. You want to talk about Christianity? Okay. It's, it's right here. We are convinced. So Paul writes, um, it says, Christ's love compels us because we've reached this conclusion. He says, the matter's concluded in my head. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but the one who died for them. Paul says that's his deepest conviction. All right? That's a good place to start. I'm convinced that Jesus died and everyone died too spiritually everyone died and then he brought them to life and those who live should not live for themselves but for him okay that is the core of deep convictions 